it's a warm and humid summer evening and I'm running a 5k race. Now I'm a runner and I run a lot of races. I'm not very good at it. I don't win, but someone once told me like, man, you runners, you never stop. And that's what I'm thinking about as I'm running the race. This night, I'm running even slower than usual because it's it's a course that goes through the woods, so it's on trails, and I don't really like running on trails. But even though I'm running slow, I feel good because I had a really good nap earlier in the day. I had such a good nap, it was really unexpected. It was one of those things that just kind of sneaks up on you. And this is one of the things they never tell you about when you have a colonoscopy. Yeah, it's all the stuff in the beginning about clearing yourself out, but the actual procedure, when they put you under... Oh, what a great nap it was. So as I'm in the middle of this 5K, I feel myself getting a little bit stronger, even if my stomach is really, really painful at the moment. And the other reason I'm feeling strong, the other secret I have is that beside me is the woman who took care of me all day long. She drove me to the procedure. She was there when I woke up and she encouraged me to do this 5K, even though it was the day of my colonoscopy. And then she did something for me that I honestly would never do for her in a million years. She let me cross the finish line in front of her. So even though I know I wasn't going to win the race, I really did win because I had the woman beside me that I needed at that time. Hey there, and welcome to Grit True Stories That Matter. Grit is a weekly podcast about stories the contemporary personal narrative kind of story and the people that craft and tell them why, you ask? Well, we want to feature these tellers and their stories and also to help you, our listeners, craft and tell better, more engaging, more relatable, and more memorable stories, true stories, personal stories, grit stories. We are in the middle of season number three dedicated to grit talks and the best of today. We are featuring the best of April's 99-second story slam. We've got six stories. You have already heard one by Andrew Shelfo. He was our winner. We've got five more 99-second stories for you on this episode by Nishama Franklin, Crystal Bartelzi, Carolyn Erickson, Angela Combes, and we will end with one more from Andrew. Check the show notes for upcoming events, including the Mental Health Happiest Hour Open Mic and Motown Flash. Both of them are virtual on Sunday evenings. And the following Sunday evening, May 1st, we have got an in-person storytelling event, a fundraiser for Ukraine right here in North Carolina. It's actually a hybrid event, and we are still potentially looking for storytellers who would send their stories to us via video. So please message me as soon as possible if that is something you are interested in learning more about. And I will be making an announcement fairly soon about what's in store for season four. Stay tuned for that. But let me not get ahead of myself right now. Five more 99 second stories. Have a listen and let us dive in. When we moved into this old farmhouse, the only real source of heat was a wood stove. And it's a drag sometimes to make a fire. But I had a secret. In this majestic Westinghouse range, there was a heater in the side. And we'd use it if we didn't have time or the energy to make a fire. And it all worked great until that morning. Chilly morning, not enough time to build a fire. 
And I was sitting on my futon and all of a sudden I felt very weird and spacey and I knew something was going on. And I, I groped for my cell phone and tried to punch in the numbers, but it didn't work. Like a dream when you try to scream and nothing comes out. But I had the presence of some kind of mind left to fall off the futon and crawl eight yards to the landline where my Luddite mind still worked and I punched in the numbers, not 911, but my cousin lives across the driveway who's an EMT. And she came galloping up the stairs because I had said, stove help. And she turned off the stove and she threw open the window. And five hours later, with a lot of oxygen at the ER, I was okay. Now, I had thought of that Westinghouse range kind of as a household god, but I don't worship that god no more. You don't want one that might just kill you. past few weeks, I'm scrolling through social media and I notice a trend. A lot of women I see are getting bangs. This on off again trend is coming back with a vengeance. And I think I want some. I mean, I am dying for a change. Is it the pandemic? I come across a tweet that reads, personally, I think wanting bangs is never about wanting bangs. And if you want bangs, you should seek therapy first. Yep, this speaks to me, and I've been dying to find a new therapist. I mean, bangs are polarizing. This hairstyle sits in the love it, hate it sector of the beauty world. One wrong snippet, this can end in disaster. I'm at the hair salon. I'm sitting in my stylist, Natalie's chair, and I tell her, I think I'm contemplating bangs. Do it, she says. What are you afraid of? And you keep bringing this up at every visit. And it's true. Every time I make these hair appointments, I do it with such confidence, only to back out with this change. I'm freaking out right now, having a panic attack. I mean, I don't need to do this. But before the pandemic and in my 20s and 30s, I feared nothing. And I feared nothing about hair. I had long hair, short hair. I had a bob. I had a buzz cut. I dyed my hair red, orange, brown, blue. We get to the end of the haircut and Natalie says, so should I do it? Are we going to cut the bangs? Fuck it, I say. Do it right now before I change my mind. I walk out of the hair salon with this slightly new look, and I realize it wasn't about the bangs at all. It was that I hadn't done anything in the past two years that freaked me out. Just needed a little change. Take a photo. I post it on social media. Sometimes you've got to take a little leap of faith. seven years old and my 11 year old neighbor Tommy Will has just found under a bush in my front yard the mail that I've stolen from everyone on the street. I started stealing three days ago. It's fun. Look at the house, take the mail, put it under the bush, do it again. After three days, the grown-ups realize they're not getting mail. Somebody must be taking it. Nobody thinks it's me. I'm the good girl on the street. We play school and I'm the teacher and I really like being the good girl. 
The mothers blame Susie Quell. She lies and her parents drink and they scream at each other late at night. It must be her. Well, I know it's not her, but I can't say it's me. They all think I'm the good girl. Well, now Tommy has told on me and I'm so scared. My parents are mad. They want to know what I was thinking and I have no idea. But I have to take the mail back one house at a time and say I'm sorry and that the grownups are nice. They tell me I'm learning an important lesson. Some of them say, you're a good girl. You just made a mistake. Whoa, I can rob mail and still be the good girl? Wait, wait, I can rob mail and still be the good girl? What is a good girl? Could Susie Quell get away with this? Now I'm really confused. I'm going to Portugal. And so I'm doing the thing that I always do, which is try to learn a little bit of the language. I've got the words for apple and bread and man and woman and car down. I can't yet ask how to get to the bathroom. That'll come later or not because I'm not really good at language. And if you're going to ask me a question in Spanish, I might turn around and answer you in really bad high school French. A few years ago, I went to Peru and I was out in the afternoon, I was hot, I was tired because it was late in my trip and the altitude was starting to get to me. And so I sat down on a bench at a bus stop. A few minutes later, an old man came and sat down next to me and he started to talk. And I realized this isn't even Spanish, this is Quechua. I can't even answer in bad French. And so I go, he leans over and he puts his hand on my knee and then he picks up my hand and he points at the back of it. And then he points at the sun. And then he points at his own hand, which is brown and wrinkled. And he points up at the sky again. And I realize he's trying to tell me I am way too pasty to be out in the South American sun in the afternoon. And he is right. And so we laugh and we continue the conversation with just gestures and expressions. And then the bus comes. He goes to get on it and he turns and he waves to me. I might try to learn Portuguese, but if I fail, at least I know that the best conversation I've ever had when I'm traveling actually didn't include any words at all. I'm sitting in my office and I'm thinking about something I've heard about a couple of days earlier, that the number one symptom for heart attacks in men is chest pain. And the number two symptom is denial. So I think about that for a second and I stand up from my desk and without saying a word to my staff, I walk out of the office, I get to my car and I drive to the emergency room. The staff at the hospital is very nice to you when you show up with chest pains. Very quickly, they have me in a treatment room. They hook me up to machines that beep and they start to ask me questions. They ask about my health, my family history. They ask about my job. I'm the PR director for a private school. And three days earlier, we got hit with a $75 million lawsuit about some allegations about teachers doing something inappropriate with children. Since then, I feel the calls from the newspapers, the television, faculty, alumni, parents, boarding, parents, day parents, everybody. 
board members are calling up with questions and also even worse, I think, suggestions. News crews show up at 5 a.m. on campus and I have to be there to meet them and make sure they don't bother our children. Now, I feel all alone, but there are a couple people who can help me. One is the school's attorney. His name is Harry Potter, and that doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence. I could also use my boss, but he's been named in a lawsuit, so he can't really talk to me about it. But I go to him anyway, and I tell him what's going on. And he smiles at me, and he packs his stuff in his briefcase, and he says, well, good luck with that. And then he walks out, and he leaves me alone. About an hour after I get to the hospital, the doctor tells me it's just stress. Everything's going to be okay. And I drive back to the office, the place where I was just thinking about dying. And now I have to rethink what it means to make a living. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. Special thanks to Andrew, Nishama, Crystal, Carolyn, and Angela. Appreciate your stories. Check the show notes for upcoming events, including the Mental Health Happyish Hour Open Mic, Motown Flash, and our fundraiser for Ukraine right here in North Carolina, which is a hybrid event. So check them out. We would love to have you join us or participate in some way. That is all for episode number 78. Boom.